Thanks for listening to a YPC podcast. We believe God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we'd love to hear about it. Take a second to send your story to office at ypcprior.com and enjoy the message today. YPC, good to see you this morning. Good to see you guys. Man, I am excited to be up here this morning. So, and hey, to our online audience, uh, thank you guys for joining us this morning. We love you guys, and we are so happy you are here with us. Pastor Ruben, everybody, bring my table out. That dude right there has a servant's heart. He really does. He's just amazing. So, we are in week one of the Young Gun series today, and Pastor Darian is on sabbatical. You know, if you've been coming to your place church for a while, you know he tends to take the month of Ju- uh, June, it's July, <gasps> the month of July off, and he is out spending time in the presence of God, being refreshed, and having new vision poured into him. And so he asked me to come up here and start this off. So I need you guys to do something for me, though, because I'm used to a uh, much smaller audience. I'm the children's pastor, for those of you who don't know. Um, <laughs> So I'm used to a much smaller audience, both lit- like both this way and just not as many. Uh, my The average height of my audience is probably this big. Um, so there's a few things I need you to do for me, if you would, please. The first is I need you to talk to me. Well, when I, let me clarify. When I say talk to me, I don't mean like Pastor Taylor or Pastor Darian mean when they say talk. They, you know, they want you to respond to what they're saying. No, I mean I need you to like talk loudly to your neighbor. Or like, uh, or like, like if like, just shout out random facts or stories about your life to me that are totally unrelated to what I'm talking about. They're still cool, but they have no bearing in what I'm saying. Like, can you please? Like, I need you to do that for me. It is hot up here. Thank you. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm sweating. Thank you. Uh, and the second thing, if you need to go to the bathroom, raise your hand. What we'll do is we'll actually have a volunteer escort you to the bathroom door, and then they will escort you back to your seat. That would be wonderful if you could do that for me. And the third thing, the last thing is please, please keep your shoes on. Because I don't want it to be my responsibility to remind you to put your shoes on when you're getting ready to go to the bathroom, and nobody wants to walk in the bathroom without shoes on. That's gross, people. That's disgusting. So please, shoes on. So if you've been coming to your place church for a while, you probably have heard, you know, not just up here at announcements, my wife, Rachel, you've probably heard her speak on the weekend. And if you haven't, and you enjoy short people who get really fiery and feisty and loud, if you enjoy hearing that, like, go find a podcast with her in it. Because that is what you will get every time. Honestly, it's really attractive. She's not in the room to hear me say that this time, but I'm saying it anyway. It's real attractive. So occasionally when she's up here, though, she will tell stories about me. And they're like normally they're like these really kind and caring and loving stories. And so I think it's only fair that I tell a story to you guys about something she does that annoys me. So and when I say annoy, like don't 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 hear don't hear me wrong. When I say annoy, it's one of those things that's both obnoxious, funny, and endearing, like all at the same time. Like 
You ever experience that moment? It's just like she does this, and it's just a bunch of emotions that I'm feeling that it's like, oh, she did it again, and then I laugh, and I'm like, oh, I love her. <laughs> just one of those things. So we have this deal at our house that, um, and I, I'm talking about this. This is when it happens most often. We have this deal at the house that she cooks, and I clean, like the kitchen. Because one, she hates cleaning the kitchen. Two, I don't want to eat garbage food. Like, and that's what I make, it's garbage, it's terrible. So she cooks, I clean. And there are times where I'm cleaning the kitchen after dinner and she's in the kitchen with me and we're talking, we're having conversation and it's good conversation. And then she'll be in the middle, middle of like, I'm not gonna call it a sentence because it's a paragraph, she talks a lot. Um, she's in the middle of a paragraph and she walks to the other room while she's still talking, and she doesn't change the volume of her voice. So, <laughs> somebody gets me, yes. And so, like, I'm doing the dishes, like the water's running, we don't have a dishwasher, we're cleaning, I'm cleaning everything by hand, we're doing the dishes, I'm making noise, the kids are being loud in the living room, and she walks into the living room, and she's still talking at the same volume, and she expects me to hear what she's saying. And I don't. I have no idea what she says. And then she comes back in the kitchen like I didn't miss anything. And I have to be like, wait a second. I don't know what you said since you left the room. And we just have to replay the whole conversation. And it'll happen like four times. <laughs> and I love her so much. <laughs> but here's my point. <laughs> my point is... My point is that, I lost my point. <laughs> oh man, this is a great start, okay. Uh, <laughs> all right, my point is that when she's in the kitchen with me, I can hear her just fine. I can hear her voice, I know what she's saying to me, but the moment she leaves the room, her voice is softer now, not because of the way she, not, not because she's speaking any differently, but because she's further, her, the, the sound of her voice is further from me. It's softer. And everything else that's happening around me, the, the kids being loud, the water running, the sound of the dishes that I'm cleaning, everything else around me starts to drown out the noise. It starts to drown out the sound of her voice. Her, her voice is not noise. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. Uh, <clears throat> It starts to drown out the sound of her voice, and I can't hear her as clearly. Being spirit-led can be difficult, especially when we live in a world that is so loud. There are so many things trying to take our focus and, in, and, and attention. So how do we set ourselves on what's most important? How do we amplify the voice of the spirit in our lives so that the Spirit can lead us. That's what I want to spend the rest of the time talking about today. But before that, let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you so much, God, that we have the opportunity that we get to be here in your presence to hear your word. And God, I just thank you that everything I'm getting ready to say, God, it, they're not my words. They're yours. I, I simply want to be used by you, God to communicate from your heart, not my own. 
God, I thank you that every person in this room, God, we are preparing our hearts, preparing our minds, and opening ourselves up, God, to what you want to speak to each of us individually today. We trust you for that, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if we want to amplify the voice of the Spirit in our lives, we have to make sure that we are maintaining spiritual order. What I mean by spiritual order is this. We were created in three parts. A body to be surrendered, a soul to be restored. And when I say a soul to, mean, to be restored, I mean a mind which thinks and reasons, the will that makes choices, and the emotions that believe, feel, and remember. And then the third one is a spirit to be redeemed. These are three parts of us as people created in the image of God, but they're also not separate. Each one of those parts interacts and affects the other parts in pretty big ways. So I'm going to spend the rest of the time speaking briefly about these parts and why setting them in spiritual order helps us to hear the voice of God better in our lives. First, a body to be surrendered. Romans 7, 15 through 20 says, For I do not understand what I am doing. Does anybody relate to that already? Just me? I see some hands. Thank you. Last service I was alone and embarrassed and it made me feel bad. Uh, for I do not understand what I am doing because I do not practice what I want to do, but I do what I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. So I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin living in me. For I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my flesh. For the desire to do what is good is with me, but there is no ability to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one that does it, but it is the sin that lives in me. So this is Paul here. He's addressing the church of Rome in this letter. And essentially what he's saying is, is here that in him, in his flesh, there is nothing good. And our our flesh, like Paul is describing in this chapter, tends to just lead us around if we allow it by our every whim and desire. You see this like, I see this a lot because I work with children. You see this a lot in little kids. But if you hung out with the same people that like I hung around with in college, you also see this in young adults. Um, so I had a friend, I had, he's still alive. I have a friend, his name is Vincent. Um, and we went to college together, and Vincent was my best friend. Like, we lived for the time that I lived in Fort Smith going to college. I lived there for about six years. Me and him lived together for like four of it. Like, he was the best friend I had. And so we were living this one time in a townhouse, me, him, and another guy named Tim. And I was coming home from work, and I walk in the door, and I go into the kitchen, and I see Vincent just standing in the kitchen running his hand underwater. Now, Vincent was a smoker, and his, the way he tells it is that his lighter was out of lighter fluid. So he fills up his lighter and spills lighter fluid all over his hand. He knows where I'm going. <laughs> and for whatever reason, he thought the best way to get rid of the lighter fluid was to light his hand on fire. Yes, I'm serious. The only explanation he had for this was, seemed like a good idea at the time. 
And that's how our flesh works. Our flesh leads us around by our every whim and desire. Not much thought put into it. It's just, yeah, this seems right. This seems like a good idea. I'm just going to do it. And then a lot of time, it's just a bad idea. Like lighting your hand on fire is a terrible idea. And our flesh, uncontrolled and unsurrendered, will lead us around like that. It will lead us around according to our every whim and desire. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Our flesh needs to surrender. We need to be able to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. But how do we, how do, we do that? How does that happen? Paul describes it right here. He says, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. We have to allow the Word of God to transform us, to renew our minds, to renew our souls. And our mind can be renewed by the Word, or our mind can be weakened by the things of this world. We get to make that decision. And the results of that, we're going to see in how we live. Like, if you're a husband who struggles with looking at women other than your wife, is it because the TV you're watching has a lot of nudity in it? A lot of inappropriate content and because you're taking it in it is what you're living out what we take in is what we live out what goes in us is what comes out of us if we want to be able to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice we have to allow ourselves to be renewed by the word we have to allow the word to restore our souls. Because our souls need to be restored. I've got two scriptures for you right here, real quick. Matthew 5, 27 through 28 says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery, but I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Then Luke 6, 43 through 45 says, A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. On the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. The Greek word used in both of these scriptures for heart is the word cardia which is where we get our term for things pertaining to the heart, cardiac. And in the context of what it meant way back in the day and how they understood the heart during the time that this was written out and lived out by the disciples of Jesus, it was this. We can see it reflected in the definition of cardia. It's this. 
They understood the heart to be the soul or mind, as it is the fountain and the seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. They understood the heart to be the seat of all of that. So essentially what Jesus is saying here is that a good person produces, the good, produces good out of what's in their soul, and an evil person produces evil out of what they've allowed into their soul, out of what they have taken in. We see that reflected in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 8 says, In the course of time, Cain presented some of the land's produce as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious? Why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It des its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Then after that, Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. In this incident, Cain's initial sin was not killing his brother. What happened before that was Cain allowed jealousy and anger to take root in his heart. And then when God brought it to his attention, Cain was unable and unwilling to address it, and it grew into something greater. It's like this. Raise your hand if you like chocolate cake. Anybody, anybody else? Yes, cake lovers. Mm. I love chocolate cake, it's so good. I just love cake in general, but especially chocolate cake. Like if I'm at a party, Odds are, if there's cake, I'm over where the cake is. Like, that's where you can find me at a party, is at the cake table. Because cake is delicious. And so if I'm at a party, and I've already had two pieces of cake, and I'm standing next to the table having a conversation with somebody, it's not like my hand, independently of my mind, reaches out, grabs cake, and shoves it into my face. It's not how this works. This is what it looks like. And this is not verbatim, but it definitely mirrors a conversation I have had in my head multiple times. So what it looks like. That cake looks really good. I've already had two pieces. I really should not have another piece of cake. But I really want another piece of cake. I'm gonna have another piece of cake. <laughs> and then I eat another piece of cake. Maybe, by, maybe with a fork, maybe with my hand, I don't know. Like, if there's no forks available, I will shove cake into my mouth with my hand. But it doesn't happen independently. I make the choice to do so. Because cake is delicious. The point is though, that it begins in me. Like, it doesn't just happen. That thought began in me, in my mind. Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4 through 9 says, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them, in the door, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. 
So God was telling the nation of Israel through Moses to keep his word around them in every aspect of their lives. Whether they're getting up or going to sleep, whether they're sitting at home, whether they're on the road. He said, keep it as a sign on your hand and bind it as a sign on your forehead. Write it on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. Keep it around you. Keep it at the forefront of your mind. Because if we don't keep it in front of us, we will forget it. So a few years ago, I was, uh, I was playing uh, softball with some, uh, with some people from church. And I was in left field. Um, just hanging out, chilling, waiting for somebody to hit the ball to me. And that's what happened. Somebody hit the ball to me. And it was like, they hit it high, it was going over my head, and I can't jump, so I had no choice but to chase after it. But here's the thing. I had not run in like two years. Now, when I say run, like I had jogged, but like full-on sprint, it had been at least two years since I had full-on sprinted. And my legs forgot how to do it. Like, have you, have you ever seen a toddler run? Like, they got those short little legs, and they got a big old head, and so they take off running, and they end up like this, like head first because they can't keep their balance. That's what I felt like, people. I was like half a step from falling flat on my face because my legs forgot how to run. Don't judge me. <laughs> it was awful. It was, it was so embarrassing. Like, thankfully, I don't think anybody noticed because it only lasted for about four steps, and then I figured out how to work my legs right. But it was a real close call there for a second. I almost hit the ground. Keeping God's word at the forefront of our mind is how we will be able to follow it. Keeping it around us, immersing ourselves in us, in it, it is how we, it's how we don't forget Joshua 1, 7 through 8 says, Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. The word meditate there means to dwell on it throughout the day. It means to read it, let it come back to you, think on it some more, pray about it, ask God questions about it. And please, if you're reading the word and you have questions, ask God questions. He is not afraid of your questions. He is not afraid that you're going to find something in the Bible that is not what he intended to put in there. The Bible is the word of God. Ask him questions. When we ask him questions, he can give us answers. I had a scripture, there's a passage in the Bible, it was something Jesus had said that, no joke, I did not understand what it meant for like five years. And randomly, it would just pop into my head every few months, and I would think about it some more, and I would pray about it, and I'd ask God, what does this even mean? 
and then after like five years, I'm reading through the Bible, and I get to that passage, and I'm reading it, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, I get it now. I'm so stupid. How did I not understand this before? Like, I get it. It, it makes sense. That's what God intends for us with his word. He intends revelation. He wants us to see things in it, but it's not going to happen if the Bible is a part of a checklist for you. If it's a one and done, you read it in the morning, uh, there we go, and you don't think, it again, think about it again throughout the day. It won't, it's not going to happen like that. The word is meant to be thought on, to be meditated on, to be discussed with other people who believe like you believe and with people who don't. It's meant to transform us from the inside out. But that won't happen if we read it once and then we just forget about it. It won't happen. We have to make God's word in his presence a priority. We have to. If we want him to be able to renew our minds. Finally, a spirit to be redeemed. Here's the great thing about this. If you've asked Jesus to save you, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you've asked him to be the Lord of your life, mission accomplished. Your spirit's redeemed. Congratulations. Like your spirit is redeemed. There we go. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 through 17 says, don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one with her, is one body with her? For scripture says the two will become one flesh, but anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Anyone joined to the Lord is one with him in spirit. If you have asked Jesus to save you, you're redeemed. Your spirit is redeemed. Your spirit is made clean. You no longer bear the weight of your sins. Jesus took them from you when you allowed him into your life. You don't bear that weight anymore. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18 says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the spirit. Our spirit, if you've asked Jesus to save you, your spirit is redeemed. But we must still be transformed into the image of the glory of God. And this takes a willingness. A willingness to engage God. A willingness to not just be joined to the Lord in spirit, but to allow him to renew our souls and offer ourselves, so we can offer ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. It's a willingness to allow him to dress thing, uh, address things inside of you. John 15, one through two says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. I don't know about you guys, but I don't wanna be cut off from the vine. That's not where I wanna be. That sounds awful. 
But the honest truth is that pruning is also a cutting process. When I worked at Lowe's when I was in college, I worked in the garden center and we, had, we did this part of our job during the spring. There's this process called deadheading. If you garden, you may know what that means. If you don't, this is what it means. It means we went around to all the plants that flowered and we looked at them and any flowers that were dying off, any of the blooms that were dying off, we plucked them. We took them, took them right off the plant because that made room for new growth. Pruning is still a cutting process. It is uncomfortable, but it is necessary to produce new fruit. It's necessary for us to grow into everything God has called us to be. So how do we do this? I think it first starts by asking ourselves a few honest questions. How is the condition of your spirit? How often do you feed it? What are you feeding the most? Are you feeding your flesh, your body? Are you feeding your soul? Or are you feeding your spirit the most? Are you living out your every woman desire? Are you setting your mind on the, un, on the seen things of this world or the unseen things of God? Are you intentionally spending time in God's presence and in his word? Are you spending time in God's presence daily? Because even if your spirit is being fed here weekly, if this is it, it's not enough. It's just not. Imagine feeding your physical body once a week. Would you be as physically capable and as strong as you are right now? No. You'd be starving yourself. And that's what happens with our spirit. If this is all you get every week, your spirit is starving for the things of God, for his word and his presence. And when your spirit is starving, it's really, really hard to be led by his spirit. If we're feeding our body and our soul more than our spirit, then we are out of spiritual balance. If we're out of spiritual balance, then being spirit-led is just difficult. It's just hard. You know, when I was going through this whole message, I wrote everything in the order I put it in for a reason. Because I wanted us to kind of see how everything connects to each other. The body, our flesh, acts out the sin, born our souls because our spirit is starving for the presence of God but if we track it backwards if we allow ourselves to be united in spirit with the Lord by focusing our souls not on what is seen but by on, on what is unseen our minds can be renewed and our re our renewed minds can then discern what is the good and perfect pleasing will of God and when we can discern that, we can then offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice instead of offering them to whatever urge has gripped them in the moment. The urge to binge Netflix. The urge to look at stuff on your phone or computer you probably shouldn't be looking at. The urge to eat that fourth piece of cake 
which at this point, let's be honest, is essentially half a cake. I've done it. If we honestly evaluate and allow God to show us we are out of spiritual order, it can be addressed. But here's the thing. You have to allow God to honestly show you the condition of your spirit. You cannot be renewed and lie to yourself at the same time. You cannot deceive yourself while allowing God to address the, the, the dark parts inside of you and allowing him to grow you through those, to prune those off so that new growth and fruit can be produced. It can't happen if we can't be honest with ourselves and where we are right now. So how do we fix it if we're out of spiritual order? When we can be honest with ourselves and we allow God to show us how we're out of spiritual order, how do we fix it? Intentionality. It means getting up 15 minutes early and reading your Bible and praying. It means turning Netflix off, turning the TV off, and putting on some worship music and just getting in his presence. It means listening to a podcast, a message on your way to, on, on your way to work, on your commute. It means allowing God into the decision-making process in both your home life and your work life, bringing the decisions before God and saying, God, what would you want me to do here? And then allowing his spirit to lead you. And here's the thing. You're not going to be perfect at it the first time. You're going to miss it. <laughs> I've missed it. You're going to make mistakes. It's a growing process. We're not perfect. We are flawed human beings desperately in need of grace. The important part is that we try, that we, that we seek to be spirit-led. And then even if we miss it, we don't give up on trying to fall, follow through and live out the will of God. Because the more we become familiar with his voice, the less we'll miss it. You can't let fear stop you. From trying to be spirit-led because you're afraid of making a fool of yourself. I've made a fool of myself a lot. I've been doing that for the past like 20 minutes. It's what I do in front of your kids every week. I embarrass myself and they love it. We can't allow fear to stop us from being led by his spirit. You're gonna miss it and there's grace for that. It's okay have to keep moving forward anyway. James 15, 16 says, or James 5, 16 says, therefore confess, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Intentionality also includes accountability. It includes vulnerability. Are you willing to open up and be honest with somebody in your world, somebody that believes like you do? Are you willing to admit that you may have struggled with the same thing for the past 10 years? Are you willing to be vulnerable? Are you willing to give somebody in your life permission to 
hold you to the higher standard that you want to live to, but like Paul are unable to because you do what you don't want to do and you don't do what you want to do. Are you willing to do that? Intentionality and willingness are necessary because God will not force us to allow him to lead us. That's not how he works, that's not who he is. He does not make us obey. It has to be our choice. But he wants to lead us. God sent the Holy Spirit to lead us and he's waiting, waiting for you to be one with him in spirit so he can renew your mind and then you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him, holy and pleasing to him. God wants to lead you into everything he has for you, but it doesn't happen on accident. A body is not surrendered accidentally. A soul is not renewed by mistake. And a spirit is not redeemed and joined with the Lord by coincidence. It is a choice, it is a decision. It takes, it takes willingness and intentionality. And if we can do that, if we can be honest with ourselves and allow God to honestly evaluate the condition of our spirit and show us what needs to be pruned so that we can grow more into who it is he has called us to be, the spirit can then begin to lead us into the fullness of everything God has for us. That's where I want to be. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And we thank you that in the face of our mess, God, in the, in the moments, in the days, in the weeks, in the months, the years when we are living out of spiritual balance, God, your grace is there for us. And all we have to do is turn to you. We thank you, God, that you want to lead us into the good and perfect things that you have planned for us. God, I thank you as we leave here today, we begin to make the choice to be intentional, to be willing, God, to allow you to work inside of us, God, to, to be one with you in spirit, God, so you can renew our minds, so that our bodies can no longer surrender to our every women desire, but God, they are surrendered to you as a holy sacrifice, pleasing and perfect. But this all begins by allowing the work of Jesus to redeem our spirits. So everybody's head bowed, everybody's eyes closed. If you have not asked Jesus to forgive your sins and to lead you and to be the Lord of your life, to be your savior, that's where it starts, by having our spirits redeemed by him. And so I wanna give you the chance to do that right now. Nobody's looking around, but if that's you, just real quick, just raise your hand, put it back down. All right. In Jesus' name we pray. You have been listening to a YPC podcast. Visit our website at ypcprior.com to hear more.